Welcome to the SOMA podcast. My name is Candice Richards and I'm the president of the Society of Mediterranean Archaeology. As I said at the very beginning of this podcasting experiment, we would be sporadic in our release of episodes, and that has definitely been the excuse for the time delay between episode one and episode two. Please stay with us as we find our feet and develop podcasts in the future. And this episode, I hope, will be a nice teaser for what's to come in the future, where I get to talk to our friends in archaeology, in science, in historical inquiry, in classics, to learn about the research, but also why people got involved in Mediterranean archaeology in the first place, what Mediterranean archaeology means to them, and how they see the discipline as it currently stands. Episode three of the Summer Podcast is going to be a bit of a special event. We have a live recording of Professor Jim Wright's lecture for the Australian Archaeological Institute at Athens during his recent stay. We're very excited to bring you this via our podcast so that the fascinating research of this amazing scholar who really delves into the history of the Bronze Age, understanding why settlements arose, how they connect with each other, and also the changing nature of what the Peloponnese and Greek settlement was like in the early Bronze Age through the late Bronze Age, when the great palaces of Mycenae rise and collapse, when writing in the form of Linear B takes off and becomes the script of organisation and administration. It's, it's his research into feasting practices, into settlement patterns, into how each of the different settlements are able to connect with each other and how they interact with each other to form a cohesive or not so cohesive as the case may be whole in the Peloponnese. So I'm really excited to be able to bring you that as a part of the podcast series. Following that, I'm about to embark on my own research in the Mediterranean. I am currently conducting some interesting research for the Nicholson Museum in the Peloponnese, and then I'll be joining Dr. Craig Barker in Cyprus for the next season of the Paphos Dig. And from both of these projects, I hope to update you as we go and bring you some of the insights into what it's like to be driving around the Peloponnese, as I will be, and visiting some of those Bronze Age sites, and what it's like on the Paphos Archaeological Dig in 2017. So I hope you stay with us and please expect more podcast outputs towards the end of this year. In the meantime, on with episode two. Welcome to episode two of the SOMA podcast. Today I'm joined by Helen Nicholson. Welcome, Helen. Thank you, Candice. So Helen is an archaeologist who has extensive field experience in the Mediterranean and the Near Eastern region, and she spends most of her time these days working on historical archaeology sites around Sydney. And in fact, that's where I first met Helen. Helen uh, definitely took me under her wing when on my very first excavation experience at the Big Dig in Cumberland Street and took me into the pot sheds and the lab here at University of Sydney to go through all that finds processing. And so Helen and I have, I think, known each other for quite a while now, but definitely really formative in my experiences of archaeology. And I think we're going to talk about some of your formative experiences in archaeology. That's right. So Um, how did you get involved in Mediterranean archaeology? Well, I was studying at the university, archaeology, of course, and I was doing prehistory, so what is now called Indigenous archaeology, Mm -hmm. 
and archaeology and I loved classical archaeology and I in third year I was fortunate enough to be allowed to join the team at Taroni in the Halkidiki in northern Greece so this was my first overseas excavation I um I cleaned an office block and waitress to get the money together <laughs> to pay for the airfare. In those days, you were, at, you know, I didn't have to pay to yeah. go, but I had to come up with the airfare. And um, so it was Taroni. It was the middle of the year here. It was summer in Taroni. I had been to Greece before, but I hadn't been up to the north of Greece. And I just remember being absolutely beside myself with excitement <laughs> and then turning up at Taroni I remember walking down this dirt road it was just a track in there and I remember walking down there and seeing this most beautiful beach <laughs> going to the dig house and uh, look really it, it it was just amazing it was everything you imagine and to this day I must say that you know if a little bit like real estate if you choose a site because of its where it is, it's certainly Taroni <laughs> ticks all the boxes for location, location, location. Fantastic. Um, you know, you're one of the founding members of the uh, Young Members Committee for the Foundation of Classical Archaeology, which in the 90s rebranded itself as SOMA. But at that time, you know, it was when the scholarship that SOMA runs every year that supports undergraduates going on their first excavation overseas. Uh, was renamed after Owen Tudor Jones, and so so. How did you first kind of meet Owen? Um, I first met Owen before Taroni, and I oh. remember, I remember going up the stairs. I'd been told because once I was told I was on the team, I remember being told to go and see Owen, and I remember walking up those stairs and knocking on the door. I had to give my details for, I think, passport or you know all those things. So I, that was the first time. I'd actually met Owen. I had said I'd go on the team, you know, basically I don't care what I do, I'll do anything. I was so desperate to get some experience. Um, and then when I turned up at Taroni, Owen had decided that I was going to work with her in the pot shed. So I, I really didn't know Owen other than that mm. brief day um, when I handed over the details. And I, I must say, Owen was the most, to this day, I think Owen is probably one of the most inspiring women I have ever met. She, she really, um, she shared her knowledge. She was keen to have people learn. Uh, she really, I, I, I learned so much. I'm forever grateful for what she did for me. And, you know, I can't remember if it was a six, seven or eight week dig, but um, I know over that time I learned more from Olwen mm. about ceramics and, and artefacts than I learned in my whole undergraduate degree. I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but she really did share her, her knowledge. And I think getting back to what you said in the introduction, mm. I think that what Owen has given me personally mm. is that I need to share what I know with people, with students and with volunteers. And to me, that's really, really important that it's mm. not about, it's just you. I mean, 
Mm. As people say, there's no I in archaeology. <laughs> so, so really, you know, she, she is inspiring. She had an amazing life. I'd sort of sit there with my jaw dropping sometimes when she talked about, you know, flying tiger moths. And, you know, she was the secretary for LJ Hooker. And, oh, she'd gone into Vietnam. And, uh, you know, she, she honestly was an absolutely remarkable woman. And not only that, she looked remarkable she had the white hair that she had up in a bun every day and mm. you know she always looked elegant um she didn't suffer fools but uh no really a really firm friendship and that was certainly maintained when i got back to australia so when uh so when you were in Taroni and and you guys are in the pot shed uh, and working together, what what was that like? What what? Well, to start off with, for our listeners who might not know what a pot shed is, what what happens in the pot shed on a dig? Okay, so what happens? Um, there was the people are on site excavating. At the we used to stop at lunchtime. The excavation. It is summer. It's hot, so the excavation would stop at lunchtime. And people would go back later in the afternoon, but that's when they'd do their context sheets and paperwork and all those things. So what would happen is that at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. they would bring down their buckets with the things they had found in them, usually ceramic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Taroni is a multi-period site, so we're looking at things going from Bronze Age right through to... Actually, to twentieth century, yeah. <laughs> but but largely, you know. So there was a the full gamut of um, of finds that were there, largely ceramic. So they'd bring them down to the pot shed, and that's what we called it. Well, that was its name, the pot shed. Mm. Amongst the team, it was known as the love shack because <laughs> it was actually the boys' house where the boys lived. So we'd set up on the balcony of this house. The house belonged to the Rockanudas who had mm. goats and it was their farm. And because it's summer, they sort of slept outside and, you know, so they slept there and they had their goats. So what would happen, the ceramics would come down and we would fill the buckets with water mm-hmm. so that they can soak overnight and then they're easier to clean the next day. Um, but it's really interesting because the Rockanudas had goats and sometimes the goats would come and you'd be filling up the bucket and the goats <laughs> would be trying to to actually sort of drink the water out of the out of the buckets. I shouldn't say that. We didn't actually get things mixed. We had the buckets wide enough apart and yeah. all the rest of it. So they would be soaked overnight and then the next day we would clean them. They would then be laid out on racks to dry and... So Owen didn't do the scrubbing of them. She yep. was up there with the, the records and the and the racks. And then once the things were washed, we would then sort them. So you sort them, whether they're an open, closed vessel, Corinthian, local wear, um, you know, by all the different categories. So, and, and really, Owen was just so wonderful. She taught me how to sort pottery, how to look at it, how to take an undiagnostic fragment, and know exactly what it was from and where it was from on mm-hmm. a vessel. Um, sometimes she would get me to even close my eyes and she'd put something in my hand and say, what's this? So I got to be able to recognize things by the fabric. So, you know, Byzantine, cooking ware, what it feels like, Corinthian, you know, the different finds that would come in. 
and, and I really did. I just loved it. I, I think I was just like a big sponge, soaking this all up. Um, I, I, I really did learn so much from her. We would then, do, you know, we'd do this by mm -hmm. context or the layer or level in the ground it had come from. They then had to be written up, and this is sort of all a bit pre-computer, so there were <laughs> cards and and endless lists of writing things up. Uh, and, yeah, so, so that was the actual day-to-day. -day. But one thing, Olwen liked her food. Yeah. And we would stop every morning for morning tea, and morning tea would often be... They, they stopped what would happen on the dig, because it was hot... We'd have breakfast really early, and that was usually something light, you know, six o'clock in the morning and something light. And on site, they would stop and have, you know, there'd be boiled eggs and cucumber, tomato, bread, the whole lot. So they'd have quite a substantial break mid-morning. Um, and then, but what we'd do, you could get these biscuits, Papadopoulos biscuits, <laughs> which for all intensive purposes are like Sayo biscuits. And we would have a Devonshire tea. So we'd, we'd actually make a coffee or a, or a tea and we'd get these Papadopoulos biscuits and we'd put jam on them and yoghurt, beautiful Greek yoghurt. So Owen and I and and the, that first year, Philippa uh, was also working in the pot shed and we'd sit there on the terrace. You know, you imagine grapevine all growing over it, you know, sitting there with all the pottery and we'd sit there having our Devonshire morning tea. <laughs> These, and it's, you know, Papadopoulos biscuits, mm -hmm. jam and yoghurt. Uh, and really that, that, was, that was really, really special. And Owen talked about, she talked about, she had a fascinating life. Yeah. She didn't study uh, start studying archaeology until quite late in her life, and um, yeah. So she she really had she'd done an amazing array of professions and jobs and mm. things in her life. Renovated terrace houses in Paddington, mm. and yeah. So a, a remarkable woman, and yeah, inspiring and still inspiring. And inspiring the next generation. And I think that that's really key and something that, you know, I'm, I'm really proud to now be associated with Soma and, and a woman who has had such a, you know, impact upon young archaeologists and archaeologists getting their first foot in, in Mediterranean digging, that it's 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 really lovely and, and a proud moment for me to be able to say the Owen Tudor Jones Scholarship and, and to have her memory and, and her influence continue on in that in that really special and obviously a financial way because the Mediterranean is is far away and a lot of excavations unfortunately now are self-funding meaning that a lot of um, students have to pay um, to be to be able to contribute to excavations but also you know we have contributing volunteers coming to, to a lot of different excavations around the Mediterranean from Australia. If Owen was here mm. Today she would be so chuffed that she had a scholarship. It would, it really goes to the heart of who she was. She would love it, absolutely love it. So, so thinking about you know your first digging in the Mediterranean and, you know and you know sitting on the balcony with Owen and and looking over the Mediterranean and the Greek vines, what is it about Mediterranean archaeology that? that you think draw, keeps drawing us back? I mean, you've got a lot of experience in Australian archaeology, but there, there is something about the Mediterranean that keeps uh, 
pulling us back in, what is it that you think is that allurement? Uh, actually, that's a hard one. <laughs> I, I, I have a love of classical archaeology. Mm-hmm. So to me, I mean, my postgrad was on attic red and black figure mm-hmm. pottery. I, you know, the ceramics again, (laughs) but I, you know, the Greek and Roman, uh, that archaeology is, I find it really engaging. Mm -hmm. And I think with the Mediterranean, it's, the weather's nice. When you tend to dig, it is, I, I think the thing I like about the teamwork is more that, you know, if you're working in Sydney, you'll get the, you know, 6am train, you'll come home on the train, you work with people and you work as a team. But the nice thing about being on a project overseas in the Mediterranean is that you're with people who love what they do Mm -hmm. and they love archaeology. And, you know, it's that whole team and social cohesion that's important. With the Mediterranean... Um, it certainly helps when you've got a beach and you can <laughs> go for a swim after work and uh, Greek food. Um, that's not really why you should be going on a dig, though, is it, Kansas? <laughs> well, I mean, but, but it is the material mm-hmm. and, and that social aspect. You're somewhere else. You get to... I mean, I worked in museums, so... For me, I love the opportunity to go and visit sites and go and visit museums and see what's going on. I also am, I'm quite social, so I do like that social aspect of being on a a team and -hmm. all working together. Uh, You're living together, you know, in the same area. So that, that to me is important, that camaraderie that that builds up. And they're very, very firm friendships Mm -hmm. that form. And I think as well, like going back to Alwyn as well, is that, you know, from, from everything that you've told me so far and, and from what I've spoken about with other people, it's the people that you work with are so inspiring on, on overseas projects. And I know this happens in the um, Near Eastern kind of projects as well, that once you kind of connect and make those connections, it doesn't matter how old anybody is. It doesn't matter how young anybody is. There's a real sense of um, being inspired by those who you get to work with. And and as a, as a woman, I find it really... Um, kind of I've been very impressed by some of the women that I've gotten to learn from overseas that you know might not be the directors of projects or or, you know historically haven't been you know the the most higher up or senior most person on the team but have actually been the people that inspire younger women to participate in excavations where you know you're you're traveling overseas for the first time and I think I think one of the questions I was going to ask you as well is is um is about that kind of thing, about how you see women in archaeology and the roles that women have played historically in archaeology for from on these overseas projects. Well, there are some some fantastic directors, female directors mm. of excavations, but often it is the um, the two I see, the second in charge, who's a woman who actually makes things happen. Yeah, you know, there's the, it. it an excavation is, is a very multi-layered beast. Yes. So you're working in, in the Mediterranean, you're working in a foreign country, so you're very aware you've got that engagement with the local community, uh, you know, all those things. But at the end of the day, 
someone needs to be responsible for making sure there are enough plastic bags to put your artifacts in. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, making sure, you know, just the logistics and the operations. Mm -hmm. And often that's a role that does tend to fall to women. Mm. And those women may not always be recognised for that role that they do play on that excavation. Mm. It's often, I mean, and rightly so, it's the director that, that and, and they are the ones that are responsible. Ultimately, Absolutely. you know, and, and that's, but often there are many women behind the scenes mm. that are the ones that actually make it happen. And, and um, that's something that I think I've definitely been inspired by as well as I've, you know... But there are great female directors and archaeologists, so don't get me wrong on that. It's not... Absolutely. No, no, and it's, I mean, if you look at uh, Sydney, Sydney Archaeology at the moment, there are some really great... Uh, both women and men of archaeology, but there's some really fantastic directors of archaeology. Dr. Alison Betts, mm -hmm. we've got um, Professor Meg Miller, Leslie Beaumont, Associate Professor Leslie Beaumont. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, so it's more of a, a like it was more historically that, yes. you know, men often had those kinds of roles and, and it was only through people like Kathleen Kenyon who kind of broke that mould to, to kind of for women to kind of rise to that director position. So... It's just an interesting aspect of excavations that I think does play an important role and it's nice for, I think, both young women and, and young men to have role models in their field of both um, men and women to look up to and be inspired by. And I'm so glad that um, Owen Tudor-Jones is, is definitely one of those really inspiring women of archaeology yes. that, you know, my generation get to look up to, even though I never got to meet her in person. Well, she was Alexander Cambitoglou's research assistant mm. too. So, you know, it, she really was the one that did all the logistics and operations and, and made it all happen. Which is fantastic. Yeah. So changing topics just slightly. Um, oh, actually, no, while, we, while we're on the topic of Owen Tudor-Jones, because I, don't, I didn't actually know much about her, her own research and her own work, that you were telling me that she did some, um, like, was one of the first kind of people to start using scientific yes. kind of analysis of pottery and ceramics. Yes, so uh, Olwen was very interested in the black glazeware mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the classical black glazeware. And, um, no, she did some, she was very early on doing pixie pygmy analysis of of the clays. Uh, so, yes, quite, but that tends to get forgotten about, you know, we, yeah. we all think of Owen as the pot shed and the inspiring, wonderful woman that mm. she was. But she, no, she had her own research projects that, that she worked on. And she really did know, she, you know, as far as the black glazeware goes, because they, that was there mm. at Tironi, the tiniest fragment, you know, sort of five by five, five millimetres you could tell you what pot it was from <laughs> or what, and what part it was from it, it was really quite remarkable she she had an, an incredible knowledge and yeah so um, moving on a little bit to your work um, you're the treasurer of ASHA the Austral Australasian Society of Historical Archaeology as well as the New South Wales organizer for Archaeology Week um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what's, what is Archaeology Week? No, National Archaeology Week is, uh, I'm a little bit biased, but it's uh, one of those big weeks in the year, for, certainly for archaeologists. So third Sunday in May. And what it aims to do is showcase the work of 
Australian archaeologists working here in Australia as well as on overseas dig and showcase Australian archaeology and heritage. Uh, so it's an opportunity to, I mean, it, it's a purely volunteer sort of mm -hmm. thing. Uh, we have a committee and uh, what we try and do is throughout that week try and engage a wider audience in archaeology and that may be through talks or workshops or um, you know being able to sort of visit sites mm -hmm. so it's a chance to really uh, spread the word I mean I'm I really love what I do I'm really lucky that that I found something I love doing and it's an opportunity to share it so you know going into this year we had quite a few talks that took place in schools so mm -hmm. archaeologists going back to visit their old high school or archaeologists speaking in their children's school just trying to raise that awareness of one certainly here in Australia the importance of protecting and, and being aware of our heritage and archaeology mm -hmm. but also to shed light on on what archaeologists do overseas as well archaeology isn't history mm -hmm. so there is a big sort of difference there and, and often working here in Australia you know people will say oh there's nothing there or you tell them you're an archaeologist and the automatic thing is oh have you know have you worked in Egypt or they think pyramids and tombs mm -hmm. but the nice thing about archaeology and certainly what I do here in mm -hmm. Sydney is that you're actually really engaging and, and in contact with the ordinary people. Mm -hmm. History often remembers the big names and, and whereas, you know, if you're digging somebody's house and they're not that well off, you you really get a good picture of what people are doing. So it's it's just really about trying to share that information with a wider audience, giving them an opportunity to meet an archaeologist. Mm -hmm. And why do you think that it's so important on like to teach this kind of archaeology to school children? Uh, I think uh, some of, some surveys that have been done have found that students have actually found Australian history really boring. And yet, as archaeologists, there are some fabulous stories out there. There's some great, you know, archaeology is a great way of engaging students with history. To be able to pick up and touch an object that somebody held you know, whether it be an ancient Greek object that was held two and a half thousand years ago or to be able to pick up something that a child had in the early sort of 19th century. There's, some, there's that direct connection that you feel with that. So I think it's a way of showing students that there is another way of looking at history. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing too, um, I've found over the years, I've done quite a lot of outreach and, and work with with school groups and really I've, I sometimes find that primary school children make better archaeologists than our <laughs> first year students here at uni. So they're not so, you know, straight jacketed by written sources and mm -hmm. documents and really are quite good at handling objects and, and being able to think laterally about what this might be. So I, th I think it's important to engage them in 
another way of looking at our past and our shared mm. sort of heritage. And I think one of the things as well, like, is that if we can engage students from that really young age at primary school level, um, then, you know, when they grow up and become adults, you know, it's, it's that hope that maybe they'll become, you know, responsible citizens when thinking about heritage. And, exactly. and even if they might not want to become an archaeologist themselves, but, you know, if the local, um, you know, there's a local building that might be under, you know, threat from new development and thing like that, that they might, you know, then go, no, I want to protect my heritage and I want to make sure that Sydney heritage is of all different kinds really, really looked after and, and well taken care of. Yes. I think I think we need to have a really healthy respect for the past. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, it it is, it, it's everybody's responsibility to care for heritage and to care for you know, our archaeology sites. And, and so just even raising awareness about that is a good thing. Indeed. So, Helen, uh, before we wrap up for the day, um, I know that, for instance, uh, you've got some holidays coming up. And uh, so what are you going to do on your holidays, Helen? On my holidays, I'm going to go and excavate in Paphos <laughs> in Cyprus. So I've got four weeks of excavation to look forward to in my holidays, <laughs> which is... Really good. I'm really looking forward to that. So, Paphos, I worked at 96, the second season there. Wow. And there certainly have been some changes. So, not going back to work. I, it, I really, I really like that overseas dig, that mm-hmm. working as a team. You know, the other thing too is that, you know, I'll be a trench supervisor. So, for me, I get a chance to be able to share that knowledge mm-hmm. with some students, with volunteers, to show them how to excavate, to show them how to look at pottery and to do all those things that Olwyn taught me which is and really, pass it on. Which is really fantastic and I think a really lovely uh, note to end it on. So thank you so much, Helen, for coming in and sharing all of your memories of Olwyn and also you know the work that you're doing now. I think it's a really wonderful thing to share and contribute to the SOMA podcast as we're very, very new and just kind of still fighting our feet. And I do hope, especially maybe during Archaeology Week, that we'll have another chance to sit down and chat. Um, and we can maybe, yeah, maybe we could do a SOMA podcast from National Archaeology yes. Week. Oh, I like that idea. Okay, good. So thank you, Helen. Thank you. If you want to find out more about our activities, what events are coming up and the projects that we are supporting, you can find out more at our website, www.soma-archaeology.weebly.com. Thanks for joining us. The music used in our podcast is titled Thinking Music by Kevin McLeod.